Kia ora and welcome to our 12 p.m. session on Wednesday or Wednesday. Uh, this is Levi Armstrong who we're about to meet uh, through him introducing himself and sharing his story. And this is a Korero Live part of Te Wiki o Te Reo, Te Reo Māori. Uh, so thank you very much for being with us. Privilege and, and honour to uh, have you share your story today. So let's get started with the introduction. If you could introduce yourself for everybody, that would be great. Kia ora e hoa, um, ko Kauraniki te maunga, ko Paukawa te awa, ko Kauraniki te marai, ko Takitimu te waka, ko Ngāti Kaungu te iwi, um, no here taunga hau, ko Levi Armstrong taku ingoa, um, tēnā koe, and um, yeah, really, really keen to um, have a kōrero awesome kaupapa that you've got going on, Bryce, so yeah, mean. Awesome, thank you so much. So as I have asked everyone, if you could uh, reshare your pepeha and uh convert it to English so that people can understand because mm. that people will pick up words that they've heard or seen and then they can start bringing it together and understand and of course if, if, if anyone doesn't know what a pepeha is yet it's a way of introducing yourself um, or Māori tikanga you introduce yourself um, sharing your whakapapa your genealogy your background your lineage your connections to family mountain water iwi and waka so Give us your yeah. English pepeha, if you will. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, my whanau, um, I come from the Timu line. My mum's uh, Timu from, from Te Hoke, which is um, south of uh, Hastings. And um, yeah, our maunga is Kauranaki. And our marae is also, also Kauranaki as well. And, and of Ngāti, Ngāti Kaungunu descent. Although my mum my does have lines going back to Te Arawa, uh, Ngāti Pikiao and, and Ngāti Awa. On her, on her tahana side, but um, yeah, unfortunately, my mum was whangwaid out at her when she was born. Um, so yeah, it's very hard for her to retrace her whakapapa back um, to where she's from, up 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 north. Yeah. So uh, there have been a number of people that have referenced some part of their family being whangwaid out, and that is when some other part of the family raises a child, right? So not quite an adoption, um, in the sense of how it might be seen in the Western world where it'd be a complete separate bunch of strangers to the family, but it's whānaid out is when another family member raises a child. Is that a good yeah, way? Yeah, that, that's right. And, yeah, so from, from birth, mum was um, given to her nanny. Um, she had about uh, five moko, um, raising raising five moko on her own. So, no, she's uh, um, awesome. She's been an awesome kind of um, advocate. Um, she's no longer with us at the moment, but um, yeah, she's kind of shaped who my mum is today. Awesome. So, if we can start by looking at your Tereo journey, um, mm -hmm. and we'll branch out into the Mickey Meter part two and a whole bunch of your personal story, which will uh, be very interesting. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll definitely um, really keen to share my story as uh, growing up um, in Hastings and Actually, yeah, not knowing too much who I who I was as a person, really, um, I kind of call myself the Milky Bar kid, uh, white on the outside, brown on the inside, um, type of chocolate. But yeah, it, it has been a bit of a struggle. I, I remember when I was about eleven and twelve, I um, my mum said, "Oh, I'm putting you in intermediate, and you're gonna uh, be in the bilingual class." And I, I was I was angry. I was like, "What?" you're putting me in this class and I don't know, I don't speak any um, Māori and yeah, I was I was quite devastated at the time but it grew on me and as soon as I went into the class, I think it was Form 1 or um, yeah, Form 1 and I was the only um, white looking Māori in there but um, 
yeah, became a whanu and really embraced um, our our class, our classroom at the time. And Fire Beth Dixon, she's she's um, nurtured us, us young Maori boys, um, through through the real journey. And um, yeah, it's it was a yeah. At the start, it was pretty tough, but oh, I wouldn't wouldn't um, take it back. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely um, share share with other other whanu as well because I think I've found being being pocket looking that I do so at times get frowned upon when I'm speaking at uh, Māori conferences or things like that and same thing with the Pākehā side or you know why are you hanging out with the Māori um I said well that's that's my whānau so as a as a Māori Pākehā growing up in Aotearoa it, it is pretty tough at times um you kind of feel the the pull from both sides so yep. yeah so there was an interview with uh, Rosie Nathan um and she um talked about growing up with her family Pākehā um but her um, nan and her cousins uh, grew up Māori so when she went uh, to nan's place um her, that, that side of her family would call her plastic Māori and she wasn't Māori enough but then she would come back home and lived in Epsom Auckland quite a um, I guess you could say a, a well-to-do Pākehā area um, and they wouldn't accept her because she was Maori. Mm. So they're caught in the middle. It's a yep. it's a interesting concept um, for someone who has no idea. And uh, yeah, it would leave I guess it would leave you um, or anybody in a sort of a what do I do type uh, scenario or how do I make this work or yeah, oh for sure. It's that what, whole is, what is that question that you ask? Like, yeah. who am I? Um... Yeah. You want to represent both sides of your whanau, um to the fullest, then yeah, it's um, yeah, definitely cool to learn about um, this other story as well. Yeah, so uh, coming back to being an intermediate and being in the bilingual class, um, so you know, obviously when your mum told you this, uh, you probably understood why because she's Maori, but um, yeah, all those bits and pieces. So if you can take us through um, yeah. the finale, it'd be good. Yeah, for sure. So um, my mum, she didn't know where she where she was um, from, really. She didn't know her fucker papa, and so I was the kind of guinea pig. Um, I've got a couple of I've got a younger brother, and um, yeah, so I was kind of the yeah ventured out into the real space, and it was actually really cool too because a lot of my family were learning as well. Um, my father's Pakia, and he was yeah when the Mongol mob first started, he was a part of that um, startup. So. Yeah, Māori, um, learning the real really I, made me feel like who I, who I was, my papa and my identity, not just for me, but for my mum as well. But also my uncles, so her brothers and her, her cousins, they they were patched up as well and are still are today, but they, they took on the real, the real component as well. They they took on the real journey and they take us to the marae, the um, mauraku, taiha, so we... As young fellas coming through, yeah, they were they were teaching us um, a lot, um, how to put down a hangi, um, fucker papa, everything. So it was really cool. And once I went from intermediate into high school, um, you went from being in bilingual into a mainstream high school, and that that in itself was pretty tough because you had spent two years um, learning the deal, where you actually forgot a lot about um, some of the other stuff like um, math and literacy and all that. All that kind of um, carry on. So, 
my first introduction into high school was pretty tough, but um, another um, Māori leader within um, Kahungunu, Paulie Blake, he was our Māori teacher, and um, he he took us under his wing, um, and yeah, nurtured us through all through high school. So yeah, there's a couple of I've kind of mentioned a few Fanu there, um, Beth and Paulie and and um, Uncle Rex, who he, he's a quite a prominent Māori leader here in in Hawke's Bay and within the Mongol mob. So yeah, I've got a lot of time for for those those mentors. So that that um, you've shared something that uh, will be quite a, I guess, a interesting world for anyone to want to hear a little bit more about and, and understand because your father being Pakiha uh, and being part of the starting of the Mongol mob. And then your mum being Māori and her brothers uh, also being part of the Mongol mob has that whole, I guess, bit that New Zealand doesn't know about, but sees stuff from the news, right? And doesn't really actually have an idea what it's like from the inside or what it would be like to be a 12-year-old um, in that situation. And then you go off to the marae um, and you're learning all about uh, your uh, Māori tanga. Um, so... Can you share what that's like and I guess some of the sensitivities of transgressing both worlds? Yeah, oh, for sure. And I think we, well, you've obviously, there's, there's a movie out at the moment that, um, you know, kind of um, pictures how, how the gangs had started. And yeah, oh. a lot of people um, don't know that it was, you know, Pakia were the first, one of the first ones to initiate um, the concepts of the gang. And it was that whole, um, society, um, the, yeah, that whole divide between society, and I think that this day and age, where we we are finding that some some rangatai they might might be heading down that path, and I honestly believe it's around identity and and that sense of belonging. So, if you don't know who you are, or your whakapapa, or your pepeha, or you know, some a lot of the whanau, they may not even have a dad um, or a mum. They've been whangai out as well, and so they. They feel the sense of unworthiness. Um, so, yeah, the gangs might be enticing to them. So I think that te reo, Māori, whakapapa, um, tikanga kawa, that, that all plays a huge part, and especially in our Māori rangatahi growing growing up. And, um, yeah, we're, we're actually doing doing some stuff at the moment with the mekemita and patsu um, because we've seen we've seen the hardships growing growing up. And I honestly believe that some of the best innovative ideas in the social entrepreneurs um, are the ones who have been through the hardships and, and they've seen seen the other side, but they've come out and now they want to go back and it's like diving into a pool. You know, you want to come up for a breath and um, you, you, you start keep, keep get, um, drowning, but yeah, eventually you'll get to the top and now it's time to go, go back in and, and help some of our whanau. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a, that's quite a, a good metaphor in terms of being in the pool, getting up to the surface yourself and then going back down to save someone else um, is the way I probably see it. And, um, yeah, I think well, there's there's different chunks to that. So we try and take it in some sort of, I always try and think in some sort of chronological order. So the, the first bit is um, gangs filling a void in terms of giving a sense of belonging uh, to people for such a range of reasons from not having father or mother uh, or both to not knowing whakapapa to um, 
you know, racism, colonization, you know, and that's, that's an interesting thing is your father's Pākehā and he started, uh, part of started in the, the Mongol mob. So I didn't know that. I thought Mongol mob and black power were based um, within Māori communities. So there's a little, there's a, there's a lesson for me being ignorant. Um, never Googled that one, never thought to. Uh, so I learned something today and hopefully we can share that with everybody. Um, Jason Jacobs has shared the, the name of the movie, uh, Savage, and I remember watching the trailer for it, and I, I want to see it. I haven't seen it yet, but there's a, the, the Pākehā guy, and he's got the tattoo across his mm. uh, face. So is this is it? Because there's two mates, um, Pākehā guy and a Māori guy, uh, and is that uh, you know is that your father? Is that oh, it's it's very similar, yeah. Um, so on him and yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, my, my old man's got tattoos on him. He's got long hair. Um, yeah, he's still a rebel. Uh, he, he's um, nearly nearly seventy, so um, yeah, he still thinks he's young. Actually, um, always on the piss. But uh, yeah, he, we're actually supposed to go along and and have a watch. Um, he, yeah, he's really keen um, because he he come through boys' homes and ball store and that as well um, as a young fella, and. Um, yeah, I remember one day we went out painting. Oh, he took us painting a house one day, and we're only young fellas. And I was like, "Oh, Dad, where did you learn to paint? I want to be a painter." He said, "Oh, prison boy." Um, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, cool. I want to go to prison um, and learn how to paint." But yeah, it was those types of um, learnings. I think like he never wanted us to join the gang. He he saw potential in us, and um, me and my brother. And we are very fortunate that yeah, we've we've been able to go through with a strong wahine with our mum um, and and graduate with a degree. So me and my brother have a degree um, at EIT and yeah, I think some of those learnings when we were young growing up um, and seeing what it's like that, um, yeah, we didn't want that for ourselves and for our tamariki as well. Yeah, and that's, that's a beautiful story, you know, and I can only begin to imagine uh, some of the realities of um you know what you would have been through and seen and how you might have reacted and thought uh, about it and um, of course my experience is only based on what i've seen in the movies right i mm -hmm. grew up in yeah. um quite a uh, almost i want to use the word privileged but that's probably the right word for it i mean like i grew up in just to some context um privileged in the sense that mum and dad were uh, not a were lived um god i don't even want to say normal lives because that's almost like rude in, in a way um but weren't part of gangs weren't part of you know that so <laughs> this is if i just call say how i know how to say it and you can correct me if i'm wrong so, so i i lived in a, a normal life wasn't involved in gangs didn't see any of what potentially would have been quite a hard or we know as a hard life um from uh, the movies and whatnot so so yeah, it's it's great to see you coming up out of the water, psh, getting free, psh, yeah. and um, and this comes uh, I guess into talking about Patu uh, and Mickey Meter, and there's another one that you're doing, Dominus, and Dominus, yeah, and 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 the Masters, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate, ah, oh, it's um. Yeah, it's been a, quite a journey actually, and um, I think for me is, is to try and um, bring Fanu on the journey. Um, I've worked with a lot of Fanu over the last few years, and you know some of them have 
either been in the gangs or um, come from violent backgrounds or yeah, you name it, um, unemployed whanau. So you see you see the real barriers and the problems within society and you, you actually try and come up with a solution for some of them. Um, not to say that our solutions for everyone, but um, yeah, it has helped a lot of whanau on, on, on their journey, especially around health and well-being. Um, we talk about gangs like you, people don't wake up in the morning, oh, I want to join a gang. You know, there's things that have either happened in their life, um, you know, especially users of meth and drugs. You know, they don't just wake up, oh, I'm going to have um, meth for breakfast. You know, there's obviously there's something gone wrong in their lives along their, along their journey and they've, they've seen something else as a, as a replacement. And so what we're trying to say to whanau is that, well, you know, you can replace that with fitness, health and fitness and now we're getting people addicted to, to press-ups and, and squats and um, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's been really, really a cool journey over the last decade. Um, and for me, I wanted to fill my kitty up. So I went back to EIT and they, they, they offered me a scholarship to do a master's in, in health. So, yeah, I, you can never learn too much. And, um, yeah, it's been really awesome these past um, eight, eight months since I've started um, the masters and I'm doing it alongside my wife, which is even cool. But wow. I actually want to show, I want to I want to show Fano that you know you doesn't matter where you come from, you can go do it as well. You know, um, we all have a choice, and um, yeah, try trying to inspire Fano to to seek education or some employment. So we'll come back to the empowered story part of it. I just want to check one thing, like I always feel um, like it's a little bit impolite to ask, but I just want to know, um, were you in the gang yourself for any time or did you manage to not be at all? Uh, I think there was there was a time, a moment in my life that, um, uh, yeah, I was actually thinking about it and this was when I was um, about 17, 18 and yeah, I, I was um, into sport and stuff and like like playing touch and rugby and i thought i had potential and yeah me and my old man were getting along and so i started doing drugs i started um yeah doing a whole range of different um activities and yeah there was a time where i was i was roaming the streets um looking for drugs and then it wasn't until i actually met my um my future wife uh, <laughs> that uh yeah she she reeled me in and um yeah we had our first. She's well, became pregnant, so by the by twenty, I was a father. And I think it's those little moments, those you know, your why, that um, you know, Jesus, I better wake up. I, I, I'm gonna be a father. I, I better go do something with myself, because um, yeah, it was either drugs or or the or my family. So yeah, I could honestly say there was a moment. Um, but now, yeah, I, I really want to support Fanu that, you know, that are in gangs too because they have so much potential. Um, I've coached a bit of league, bit of rugby. Um, I've seen Fanu coming through the um, health and fitness as well. And yeah, uh, oh, this my this my son. He's just woken up. That's all right. Is yeah, it, um, I'm on the Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's it's great. Great to hear, you know, um, we we're talking a little bit offline before and um, was talking about my experience of being bullied and you talking about um, why people 
join gangs um, or get into drugs. You know, they don't wake up one morning and go, I want to take meth. Mm-hmm. Um, this happens, right? And for me, that was bullied. Uh, but as soon as I got to an age and where I could access alcohol, um, yeah, I used to smash it pretty hard. And it was probably more your typical um, Kiwi binge drinking. Um, but uh, then when I went on my OE, um, I discovered a, a world of plentiful drugs because I ran clubs. Mm-hmm. Ran clubs in the middle of London. And it was just dipping your hand into the candy bag and was involved with um, the obvious sources of where drugs come from, um, I guess, which is organised well, gangs, organised crime, whichever label you want to put on the same thing, uh, and saw that. Um, and I remember, I remember, it was actually I, I lost my two front teeth, and was in um, disappeared for a couple of weeks into hospital and su- dent- emergency dental surgery, which is one of the most horrific experiences of my life, having the roots of my teeth pulled out with a painkiller. Um, that was pretty sore. Um, but what struck me was that when I when I had no teeth, everybody disappeared. Mm. And I realized that how superficial it was, it wasn't the answer. And mm. I got myself off it um, and got myself home and got myself back to family. So it, it's, I guess, mm. uh, a representation of that um, as a teenager, I was lost, had no idea who I was because I was called all these things, treated badly by people and um, had no self-worth. Couldn't confess to my parents about the truth because I was too ashamed of it, uh, especially with dad being such a big tough bugger. Um, how could I tell him that I was such a pussy and uh, getting the shit kicked out of me and teased and all the rest of it? So it's sort of like, yeah, and um, yeah, I filled that void of that actual of a, you know, things from having real friendships to having relationships with my parents that I could be open and honest, um, filled it with drugs and alcohol. And the, the um, I guess in the, the some point, what I've been talking about is this is only, my experience is only bullying. Um, it's only a small comparison to mm. Um, mm. bigger picture. And um, it gives me the ability to have some empathy and understand. So coming back to the empowered part, which is mm. you know, for me, I went to counselling. And you know, ten years ago, no Kiwi bloke would ever say that. Um, but I quite openly talk about uh, having worked with five counsellors, mm. and it's like um, you're not a Reeboks. You got to find out which pair fit the which fits you the best. Um, but in terms of what you're doing and what your journey is, it's about uh, you know, finding your identity and now helping others find their identity, mm-hmm. and through that, uh, achieving the successes of life and showing that um, you know. You can come from come from anywhere and go to anywhere you want. Like it's a it's a pretty special story you have, and to be living it and showing it and teaching it and sharing it. Sorry, I'm rambling now, but um, one of the things I was thinking about is do you, do you connect with the other people that are doing similar stuff, like Tapatawihi, who's doing work in the prisons with um, Haka Experience, Dave Latelli, who you'll see, mm-hmm. um, and this is you know, through making that connection. Initially, it was with people who are suffering obesity and you know, that's that's another addiction to food mm-hmm. rather than drugs uh, through lack of connection. So, I'll, I'll shut up. No, 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 that's, that's all. <laughs> but, um, I'm just trying to put it all together. <laughs> trying, to, trying to put it all together and, um, yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think um, there's there's a lot of uh, Māori that are doing awesome stuff at the moment in, in Aotearoa and 
I think um, it's really cool. I know there's some people that are, you know, we're trying to do some collaboration and and stuff like that. Uh, we're the the Mickey meter at the moment. So the Mickey meter is a tool because when finally we're coming into the potsu into the gym, you know, they're not just coming in to lose weight. There's a whole range of things that are affecting them at home. Um, you know, they. Uh, there might be some violence in the home. They they could have no job. They they might have no money in the bank. Um, you know, so there's a whole range of things that are affecting a person's well-being. And so taking the holistic approach and and understanding the mechimeter, so whānau would rate themselves on a scale of 1 to 10, how they're feeling in, in different areas. So um, for me, as a, as a trainer, you become, you become more of a psychologist a lot of the time and working with whānau on a daily basis. So the Mechimeta has been a real awesome tool. Um, and so we've actually um, turned that into a business model where we're looking to partner with organisations who want to measure impact um, and measure someone's well-being. Um, so that's that's really awesome. And hence why I'm doing my master's as well, to, to build a lot more validation around that. So um, what, what's your master's on? What's the subject? So the yeah, the impact of COVID-19 on the well-being. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's been quite exciting, actually. So we've been doing a whole lot of data collection since lockdown, um, since yeah. the first lockdown. And um, it's been, yeah, quite quite insightful, actually. And this is, this is a data collected in the, the Mickey Meter. Yeah, Mickey Meter. So it's online, so it's really easy to get whanau to fill it in. Um, bit hard when you've got paper surveys and we're not allowed to go to people's houses and things like that. So, yeah, the Mickey Meter is an awesome online platform. Uh, mikimita.org um, I finally want to check it out but it's also a self-assessment tool too uh, we found that a lot of whanau don't self-reflect um, I've had to fill it out a few times because I get pulled in different directions and my balance is all over the show so the mikimita is being really good um, yeah that sounds good I was actually just talking to my wife uh, before I got on this call and saying oh look I'm really I'm really sorry I um was meant to spend more time with you uh, through the evenings, but uh, this is this uh, Kilpopper has got away on me, and I didn't realise, and I need to be able to mm. uh, do my best with it, but also not forget to do my best with you. Um, mm. Yeah, that uh, getting pulled in all directions and losing your balance makes oh, a lot of sense. So, that's yeah. right. Happy wife, happy life, mate. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. happy. Um, everyone's happy, and same thing. Like we've actually got a Mickey meter for our tamariki. So we can actually understand, you know, um, how they are, you know, how, how they have been during lockdown and, and stuff like that as well. And, um, yeah, so, we tend to forget about them. So, yeah. So in terms of um, you know, how many people, how many people were using the Mickey Meter? Are we talking so, hundreds? Yeah, over, over the lockdown, we had um, just over a thousand whanau um, fill it in. So they were, they were all across um, Aotearoa, um, different age ranges and things like that. Um, but what it's done, so we actually found that there was a, a slight decline in, in social, physical and mental well-being within the whanau. Um, this was shown through the data. And so we've come out the other side and we've come up with an intervention, um, the, the Dominus, so the pod. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're actually looking at, um, we've just partnered up with Napier Council to put a pod in a, in a local community and hopefully try and get them um, moving, physically active, and feeling good about themselves. And so, based on the data, 
because I, I don't like just to sit there and say, oh, how are we? We're not doing too well. Um, oh, yeah, cool. We'll just put that data over on the table and we'll just leave it there. I'd rather go out there and try and come up with an intervention. So, um, again, we're going to wrap some some research around this and, um, yeah, understand um, how how this program may work with Fanu. So what is the, what is the Dominus? What is the, um, yeah, so, so is um, it like, the Dominus is a product of, um, hardship, I think. So I was based in Napier, Patu, and we charge $10 a week for Fanu to come in. And at the same time, lease prices are going up. And so, yeah, we, I thought to myself, why, why not just, um, create a container, turn a container into a gym and, um, so I partnered up with my cousin. He's an architect down in Wellington. Um, his his father's a Mongol Mob member as well. And so we both partnered up together. He done the design work. And um, yeah, we we got our first prototype out, which is currently at Taita College in uh, Wellington. And we're looking to ship it here in no, November the 1st in Napier. Yeah. My son, Jagger. <laughs> Say hi, hey, Jagger. <laughs> Kia ora. <laughs> Say <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so this prototype, this this pod, um what 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 is it? Is it a exercise facility, a meeting yeah, facility? Yeah, a mobile exercise facility. So we've been able to truck and move it, ship it to a school. Um so it's currently at Taichi College, a, a secondary school down in the hut. Um yeah, understanding that. Aurangate need need a bit of exercise as well. Um, so we've put it there for a few months. But it's yeah, mobile, it's got fitness equipment in it, it's got a mean south sound system in it, and it just opens up like a like a satchel. So yep. yeah, our first one, but we are looking to um, scale out across Aotearoa um, and facilitate Patu out of it. So when you say facilitate Patu, that's the exercise that's the program. Yeah, that's the group exercise program. Yeah, so we're actually um, merging it all together. So we've got um, the program, we've got the facility, and now we've got the well-being tool, the Mickey Meter. So it's uh, quite a nice collaboration that we have going on. Um, yeah, and, and trying to create some some positive solutions for Farnu. The exercise. We're actually um, currently doing a Patu 100-day challenge as well so 100 days of exercise so i've just been posting up uh, exercise every day for finally to do um okay. which on our facebook page and they can do it from home we know that a lot of finally can't go to a gym or um, don't feel like going to a gym so they can do exercise from home as well yeah so this is this is um like so positive and so amazing um you know like uh in terms of partnering with the council have there been other discussions with partnering to get it more nationwide you know through we want to um, go to government and say hey we we believe that um this this has a lot of scope and again before we can get to that level i think we we have to come in with our our evaluation and our research team so hence again while we're doing the masters and just building some more validation around our modeling and things like that. We, in the past, we've had a bit of support from Arkina Foundation. They're a social enterprise um, um, yeah. organization based down in Wellington. So they've been very supportive. Um, at the moment, we've, we've actually got a few Patu sites around the country, 
but same same thing that um, they're lacking facilities um, to to operate out of. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's real scope in. We're actually just uh, looking at some HRC, so House Research Council um, proposals to put in um, to hopefully support us on this project. So in terms of the, the big concept, and this is about well-being, and that's where the Mickey Meter comes in for measuring it. And uh, Patu is a um, group fitness program to get people active and moving. Um, and you know, in terms of how that all comes that comes together the the outcome that's right that's right Diego. um the the outcome is that through um coming together as a community and exercising and being active and uh, not only are they being active and having the, the the health aspect of it but the physical health but they're coming together as a community and gaining the, the mental health aspect of it Oh, most definitely the mental health and the social well-being. Like we see, we see these um, this program as a hinaki. So we're actually out there putting these hinaki, these um, and catching these tuna or these eels. Um, so a hinaki is like a catch bag or a fish, um, a fish net. And yeah, we're catching all these tuna, alfano, and we're feeding them the right nutrients. And so we want to be putting these pods um, across Aotearoa and supporting alfano and actually growing. Growing farmers, so you know, there's a lot of rangatai that want to be a trainer. Um, yep. So we're we're hoping that we can support them, um, train them up to be trainers, and create employment opportunities for them as well. Um, they kind of call them micro entrepreneurs. So uh, yeah, they can be running their own own fitness sessions out of the pod as well. And um, yeah, it's it's really cool. I've actually just worked with uh, one of the bros. He's um, been, he lost about 30 kgs and he's actually just set up his own gym as well. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool to, to see Farno who have come through and now they're succeeding at the other end. So, I've just been thinking, and this might sound just obvious to you, but it's just sort of clicking, clicking in my head because I've got all the discussions I've been having over the week buzzing through there um, and all the connection points in my mind of all the information. But I was just thinking about how individualistic Western or Pākehā culture is. Like, I even joke, like, when I was on my OE learning Italian, um, and, uh, you know, they, they talk that they don't leave home until they're 30, and they don't leave home until they're married. You know, they, you get married when you leave home. So they were all quite naughty boys in the sense that they'd come over to London at the age of 24, 25, 26, same age as me at the time, um, and broken tradition. And their mothers were hugely upset with them, right? And... I used to joke and say, oh, you yeah, yeah, 17, 18, mum and dad will put the boot in the back and you're out the door, go flatting in New Zealand. So it's quite different to that. Yep. But I've just been sort of thinking about how individualistic, um, you're trying to understand, say, I just refer to it as a Western culture because it's the key New Zealand culture, but it's also got a background in, in um, of Western but it's quite individualistic and you can sink or swim on that path. And quite often we sink. Yeah. Um, coming back to your, your metaphor before, actually. Um, with the, um, Sorry. With the whānau concept and yep. you know, meeting together, exercising together, the well-being mm -hmm. the social aspect, um, it sort of gives you, 
like I'm, I haven't, I've got it in my head. I can't spit it out in words. But yeah, it's the, between the failings of an individualistic culture versus the success of a group um, culture. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's that whole fucking whanaungatanga. Finally want to come together. They want to do things together. My, my background wasn't a PT, so working one-on-one with someone, but you know, that wasn't as motivating as working with 20 whanau who are all pushing each other and, you know, oh, because you need a ride to the gym, I'll, I'll pick you up. Um, or, you know, they, they actually hold you to account too if you miss a session. <laughs> but um, it's the whole whaka whanaungatanga and um, manakitanga, koteitanga, all those Māori values that our whanau um, heed to. And, yeah, and the same with our Pacifica whanau. Um, we can't discredit them as well. They've they've been a big part of the movement and, and group exercise. You don't see one of them, you see about twenty of them together. So yeah. So, I'm just just there's more to this. I'm trying to get my get it through my head. Um in terms of the um and I was thinking before, you know, when I was a young fella, I was overweight, that's why I was bullied. I uh, actually went to the gym, started at Les Mills. As I think, uh, I was a 84 kg 13 year old, which was quite large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite large, and I remember going there and thinking, "Here I am, lovely little fat boy with all these super fit looking super athletes around me. I'm in the right place." But, but more importantly, is that we were all individuals. You know, like you look at people and you make eye contact, but you wouldn't speak to them. It'd be like, "I." You know, and you'd almost like you made eye contact, you break eye contact, like I'm not looking at you. And, yeah. it, and now I reflect on it, it just seems so fucking weird that you be <laughs> humans in a space together doing the same things and not yeah. supporting each other and not not um engaging with each other. And this is this is where I'm trying to work out that, that Western versus um yeah. uh we'll say indigenous cultures, because you know, I learned yeah. all right. different cultures while today's yeah. our focus on uh, um Te Awa Māori. Um, the, the Western versus Indigenous seems to be quite individualistic versus group. And you know, if we look at the mental health of the world at the moment, um, right, ch- chucking another rabbit hole, um, I believe a lot of our problems at the moment are derived not only from the technology but from the concept of iPhone. I, 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 I. Single, singular, selfish, um, you know, and we need to move all our thinking to group, family, whanau. Mm. Oh, most definitely. Um, yeah, and I think what we're, what I've found with my study with the thesis at the moment and understanding the lockdown and COVID and the, the impact that it has on Māori, you know, because we, we are, we, we've got big whanau, you know, big tangi, um, and all of a sudden, you know, you've taken that um, access to marae, but also our tangihanga and, and minimal numbers. So, you know, compared to our pākehā, you know, there, there's a simple procedure when it comes to a funeral, whereas with tangi, it's a good three, four days, and um, there's a lot of whānau, um, extended whānau as well, they come along, and so the impact that, it, that COVID has had on Māori um, is, is quite, um, quite huge, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's I hadn't really thought about it. Like it, like sometimes you hear the words in discussion. You're in the discussion and you hear the words, and it doesn't have the impact of the meaning to it, right? Yeah. And think about it. So my 
my uncle was Māori, and through my uncle and my auntie, when my nana passed, my auntie uh, pushed for a tangi rather than a funeral. Oh, and there's okay. initial thought uh, disagreement amongst the sisters. Yep. Um, eventually, it was agreed, and now my mum probably, who was the initial disagreeer, um, now my mum is absolutely pro tangi for the from the experience she had, right? And yep. again, it's another reflection on um, understanding some of the beauty of Te Ao Māori and what it gives to people. And I think, in, in short, without going too far down another Ryan rabbit hole, is that all in New Zealand who's non non Māori has been given such a news media version of what Māori is. They have no idea of te ao Māori and all the realities and beautiful aspects uh, to the culture that, that's behind it because it's almost just like we just see what we see on the news, right? What we see on the news, the mongrel mob, the black power, the yeah. crime, um, mm -hmm. the statistics. It's all just, you know, so people, people just swallow that shit and mm -hmm. don't even beyond it. Oh, most definitely. I think that's, you know, you, you, your dif differences with media coverage as well. Like, um, you know, there's so much more positive stories on Te Karere and um, Te Ao and, you know, our Māori content, whereas, you know, on a on a mainstream um, TV, you might, yeah, very rarely you, you may see, um, you know, apart from Police 10-7, <laughs> you know, things that are... No, it's not it's media. I think media does have a huge part to play. And I said this a few weeks ago that uh, a friend of mine got into a bit of mischief, front page of the paper, but um, they didn't say that he, you know, he got top of the class in, a, in his um in his studies to be a trainer. So you know, you, you, there's always the bad side of the stories. You ne never hear the good side. So yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. And this, this is another point, um, while this is modern day news, it also comes back to a point of colonization, is that those who write the history books uh, dictate the history. And this is where the 2021 New Zealand history is going to be taught in schools for the first time. Mm -hmm. I say properly, it's yet to be proven, but um, you know, a bunch of the aspects that have been discussed through these, the more I, the more I, you know, so the more I'm learning and hearing about the realities from each of these stories as I go through the week, um, the more I'm feeling um, amazed in one sense um, at how well people have done considering and also so quite, you know, I don't know, it's getting to me a little bit, I guess, is it, you know, like, how can this be done? How can this have been done to, to other humans? And I guess the uh, last thing I'll say on that is I'm, I'm grateful that I'm alive in 2020, not 1820. Yeah. Um, 1920. Um, yeah. yeah. So as we wrap up, what do you want to be, you know, the final thing that you share with everybody? We've got Kay Marie Dunn who introduced us back at the um, AOG case. Looks like she's in there. So what's the final thing you want to share with people? If you think, I want to share something with um, the whole community of New Zealand uh, about uh, Te Reo Māori and Te Ao Māori. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's, and I, I can't ex um, express that enough, but whakapapa, pepeha, go, you know, if you don't know where you're from, um, sometimes you, you don't know where you're going. And it's unfortunate that a lot of our whanau are in that space and 
Um, for for myself, I'm not fluent yet. Uh, I say yet because I'm uh, post post uh, masters. I'm going to go um, continue my my real journey, and I think it's. I like this uh, anal- uh, metaphor. What is it? Um, life is a journey, not a destination. So um, we're always evolving as we as we grow. Of this this fella's been a bit of a handful. He's um, just turned one, so um, yeah, he's been my priority lately. So I've got four tamariki, but um, I'm actually wanting them. My my third oldest, my girl, she just finished kohanga, so we're just waiting for an opportunity, um, an opening at the Kohanga and in Heretonga to open for my my young fella. So it's going to be entrenched in my whanau, um, the, the, the real. Um, and, yeah, it's really cool to actually see that some of these kura are taking on, um, these mainstream kura are taking that on. And my, my kids are coming home doing kapahaka and doing their pepeha and all that kind of stuff. So it's, that's really important, I, I believe. And, yeah, I just think at this moment in time, mate, we're – you know, we've had COVID, um, and yeah, it's time for some positivity. I think um, at the moment, you know, we've got the racism going over in America, which has flowed right through, right throughout the world, and um, uh, on top of COVID. So there's a lot of things happening in the world today, 2020. But we're hoping that, um, yeah, we can come up with some solutions. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, I think um, the world the world is changing at such a fast pace, and in this case, I'm not talking about the technology. I'm talking about society mm. and how people engage, behave, and interact. And um, a beautiful comment has come through from uh, Marie Hoare, um, which is, "You're right, Ryan and Levi. Non Māori have such a limited understanding of Te Ao Māori through mainstream um, media news and outlets." So I can pop that up. Oh, I can't read it now. It's quite small. Um, through mainstream outlets, uh, we've got to get past that and get curious as individuals and communities, as a nation, about the beauty, richness, and power of Te Ao Māori. So that's cool. And mm. we better do a shout out for we better do the shout out for Kaveri. Oh, kia ora. Kia. <laughs> uh, so look, thank you so much, and thank you for sharing your story. And I, I just want to say, um, you know, how amazing to come from the background of the formation of the mongrel mob to um, creating three programs that are now entwined in terms of uh, Patu being the exercise program, Mikimita being the app that tracks and collects the data, and Dominus, which is the exercise pods, which is a place for everyone to come together to get their exercise as a group. The whānau fitness, uh, whānau fitness is a sort of thing I think of. Um, and to be doing your masters, you know, like you really have, you know, people, people would be um, without the hardship that you've gone through, the difficulties you would have gone through uh, as part of the gangs. Um, people would be doing bloody well to achieve what you've achieved anyway. But to have that at the beginning, um, yeah, there's something magic about you, and we've got to find out more about that and share it with people so they are inspired, and um, we'll find their their own way and do the same thing yeah yeah for sure mate i think that that metaphor what you just explained there like as a as a kid in the you know as maori you start you're at the start line but with with european you're you're kind of 10 meters in front of the race but as a gang kid you're you're about another 10 meters behind our own maori so it's really it's it has been a bit tough but um yeah i think it's just resilience and if we can teach that within our communities and especially our maori communities and gang whanau that um yeah we can make choices that's us 
<laughs> hey, hey, Maori, ora. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We'll, right. we'll give it a yeah. kakitia yano to everyone out there watching and listening. Again, thank you so much. And um, I look forward to meeting you again in person for Kanahi Kite Kanahi. I got that pronounced not quite yeah, right, yeah. but you know what I mean? Yep. Nice no, to say. That'd be awesome. Thank you very much. Cheers, Bob. Kia ora.